Thank you for joining us today. I'm Jared Kirk, lead pastor of Renewal Church. Before we get started, I want to ask everyone who's here today and everyone who's watching online to do me a favor, take out your phone. It's very important that you're on your phone during church, but please no Candy Crush. Take out the card that we gave to you and please check into the service. It really helps us to follow the state's safety guidelines for churches. It's just tremendously helpful to make sure that we are having a safe, fun environment for everybody. And if you're online, make sure you do that too. And when you do check in, we'll follow that out by sending you a link to your phone so that you can follow along with today's service, whether that's lyrics or worship notes or whatever that is. Hey, today's a very special service for me. I'm going to share with you just a little bit of my personal story and about how that turned into Renewal Church because we're exploring as a church just the foundational things that matter to us because there is so much change in our society right now. Have you felt that? that there is so many things that we are unsure of that are out of our control that as a church we said hey let's come back to those things for us that are never going to change and so this morning we're talking and thinking about the gospel of Jesus Christ just the very center of the Christian faith so I hope that you enjoy that right now we're gonna worship with a few songs that are centered around the gospel Dusty why don't you come up and lead us in worship man thanks All right, good morning, church. Welcome to the park. <laughs> you know, one thing that's great about our God is that there's always a new day. No matter what he did, what happened the day before, there's always a new day. And it's because of his death and his resurrection that we can live in that freedom, knowing um, and living free for today. So let's, uh, let's worship him. Thank you. 
before Oh my soul I want to see your whole name In time that day When my strength is failing The angels near My time has come Still my soul In your praise
We thank you that you paid the price for us to live in that freedom. God, I pray that you help us to live in that freedom every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome and thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Judith and I am your host. At this time, please take out your phone. We're asking everyone who comes to our service to please check in. All that is required is your name and your email address. We're asking this so that we can stay within the city guidelines the city has set for us. If this is your first time, you will receive an, a free gift sent to your email. If you are new or new wish to renewal, welcome. We created this 
awesome experience called Next Steps, and it starts right after the service next week on September 13th. It is an opportunity for you to come here from Pastor Jared, chat with some new other new people, and have some of your questions answered about community groups and how you can also get involved. If you have to, if you have to choose between coming to the service or coming to the Next Steps experience, you should definitely come to the Next Steps experience. It's going to be fantastic. At this time, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you've blessed us with another glorious morning. I pray that you be with us as we listen to Pastor Jared as he preaches on the gospel. Please allow us to hear and to continue to take your, his word, take your word um, into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, Judith, thanks for doing the hosting today. If um, if if you would take a second and check into the service for us, whether you're watching online or in person today, that is just tremendously helpful for us. And you'll also get the notes and all the links that you need to follow along with today's service. And if you'd like to give a little bit later, that link will be in there as well. And before we dig into the message, I need to let you know about something kind of cool. Because you've been checking in, we know that we need to go to two services next week in order to stay within the guidelines that the city set for us. So starting next week, September, somebody help me, 13th? 13th, nailed it. Uh, we're gonna be at two services, 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. You choose which one you wanna come to, and we will be right here, same spot, but two services. If you're watching online, it's two services as well, 9.30 and 11 a.m., because our church has been growing outside in Boston Common, and we wanna make sure we stay inside the safety guidelines. So, next week, two services. Now, today we're talking about something that I shared at the very beginning of the service. It's very, it's very, it's, it's right at the core of who I am as a person, and so I wanted to share a little bit of my personal story as we get started to help you understand how this became a part of Renewal Church. I, I became a Christian when I was about 17 years old, and God did this just incredible change in my life. I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My, my mom is Jewish, my dad is Protestantly irreligious, and for me, education and achievement was everything. My whole identity was wrapped up in school. But when Jesus got a hold of my life, things just changed dramatically. And so when I went to the University of Miami and I was studying biomedical engineering there, God started to do this new thing on me and my passion for engineering was dropping and my passion to help other people find life in Jesus was just increasing all the time. So some friends of mine invited me to help them start a church in North Carolina and that's what I did. I moved up to North Carolina the day after I graduated. I loaded up my pickup truck. I already had a pickup truck so I was ready for North Carolina and I showed up there and within six months, I was working on staff at that church full time. Now, while I was at that church though, um, I, I went through a really tough time in my life because I got stuck somewhere along the way. Had, have you ever been in that place in your life where you just feel stuck, like things aren't changing that you wish were changing, things aren't moving that you wish were moving and that personal change and growth that you are longing for is not happening. And so what was happening was I would stand up on stage at church and I would tell people about the life-changing power of Jesus because I'd experienced it myself when I was 17 but in my personal life I didn't feel like I was changing and so there was this disconnect between what I was telling people Jesus could do and what I was experiencing in my own personal life and so this led to a sort of personal winter for me just that place in your life when you're stuck and you feel like no matter what you do you can't get out 
and just wishing, God, would you do something different? I wish this season of my life would end. And it went on for quite a while. But for whatever reason, in God's crazy timing, in his perfect plan, um, my life began to change. And it, it, it started when I went to the people that I loved the most and told them what was really going on in the depths of my soul and asked for a little bit of help. And man, you guys would not believe how good God was to me in that season. God showed me grace, just grace and mercy. Instead of condemnation and how could you, it was, you're my beloved son and I am well pleased with you. I got grace from my church. I got grace from my wife. I got grace from my friends. And those things that had been stuck started to, God started to break through them and my winter gave way to spring. And what was the most transformative for me at that point in my life was just those basic truths of who God is and how much he loves his runaway kids. God's forgiveness of my sin became real and present to me again. God's love for me as one of his kids was just overwhelming to me again. And rediscovering God's love and grace and forgiveness and mercy is what changed me as a person. And God renewed my life. God renewed my, um, my, my inner world, my soul. God renewed my marriage. God renewed my passion to help other people experience life in Jesus. And so when years went by and we planted this church, we called this church the only thing we could think of, which was renewal, because it's what God had done in my life. And what I wanted for this church was um, that my story could be someone else's story, because this church is not about my story or about Heather and I's story. It's about what could be your story if God was right in the middle of your life. And so this gospel message about God's love and grace and forgiveness through Jesus is right at the center of who we are as a church because it was right at the center of God renewing my whole life. And so the gospel is so core to who we are. So what I'd like to do today is share with you, first of all, I want to get really clear on what the gospel is. I'm going to give you a bunch of Bible verses um, so that you can see that this is not just one place. This is across the whole scripture so that you can get really clear on what the gospel is. But then I want to share some ways that people respond to the gospel message in the Bible because I, I really believe this because I've experienced it personally that God can change your life. And if you are stuck, God can unstick you with his love and forgiveness. If you are hurting, God can comfort you. Or if you are alone, God can be with you. That no matter what you're going through, the gospel is, is what you most need. Because this is what I learned, that the gospel is not just the entryway into the Christian life. It is how you grow as well. It's not just the ABCs. The gospel is the A to Z of the Christian life. So let me share with you a little bit about what the gospel is. And then I want to talk about how we can respond to it so that you can experience that same change in your own life. Because that's my real hope is that you would feel and experience what I've experienced. So let's talk about first what the gospel is. First, the gospel is a message about God. From the very first verse in the Bible, it says that God created this world, Genesis 1.1. It's the first sentence in the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God made everything that is. But here's the second part that goes with that. He made people and he loves people. It says, John 3, 16, that's a famous verse in the Bible. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So not only is there a God who made this world and made you, there's a God who loves you. And I, I think people just don't kind of get how revolutionary that was, a picture of God. Because when you, I don't know if you remember this, but in middle school they taught about the Greek gods and goddesses, if you remember that, right? They didn't love people. They were fighting, they were bickering, they were backstabbing, they'd come to earth and have sex with people. I mean, it was like, this is not love. This is power, this is using people. When, when Christianity showed up on the scene, Jesus said, hey, listen, you guys thought God was like this. Maybe God was angry. Maybe God was capricious. No, 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 no. There's a God who made you. There is a God who loves you deeply because you're his kids and God loves his kids. So the gospel is a message about God. The gospel is also a message about humanity. It's a message about people. And the Bible says that humans sinned and brought misery into this world. Now, we don't use the word sin very often unless we're talking about politicians. But this is not the word we normally use in our everyday life. We say, oh, I made a mistake, right? Or he messed up or, you know, she kind of slipped up. We just don't use the word sin. But, you know, sometimes in another language, there's a word that perfectly captures just a feeling that's hard to express in English. So maybe you've heard of the German word schadenfreude. You guys know this one? It means, um, we don't quite have the word in English. It means a feeling of pleasure at someone else's misfortune. So this, so this is like um, one of Heather's quirks. Like nothing makes Heather laugh harder than if I trip and hurt myself. I mean, it's just tears streaming down her face. It's one of her most endearing qualities, if you know her well. If you don't, watch out. So it's, that's schadenfreude. It's, it's a feeling of pleasure at someone else's misfortune. And we just don't have the word for English in it. So watch this. In English, what's the word for, um, it's not a mistake. It's when you know you shouldn't do something. You know it might even be a little self-destructive. You, you know it might even hurt other people, but you do it anyway. It's not a mistake, like that's not the word. It's not a slip up, what is it? Well, it turns out that the word we don't have in English, they have a perfect word for this in Hebrew, it's called sin. It's that intentional breaking of a boundary, a transgression. And so in the Hebrew thought world, it's this these spiritual laws that God has set up where we're supposed to love other people well and we're supposed to love God. And when we intentionally break those boundaries, it's sin. And according to the Bible, because of that tendency in every human being, there's a lot of misery in this world. There's a lot of self-destruction. There's a lot of self-deception. There's a lot of hurting other people too. That sin is in humanity and that sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 two says, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not, he will not hear. Sin separates people relationally. I'm gonna tell you something that's really embarrassing because it was horrible. When I was in about sixth grade, my best friend had a girlfriend. The only reason I can tell you this is because I was in sixth grade. He had, this, he had a girlfriend and I wanted to date her. And so what I did was I went behind his back when he wasn't around and I talked bad about him to his girlfriend. Because this was my master plan. I'm like, well, if I talk about bad about him, obviously she's gonna fall madly in love with me, right? Like that, that was my logic. But I, it was, I sinned against him. So when I went back and I talked to him, he heard about it. He confronted me. There, obviously, there's a huge break in the relationship because I had sinned against him. Sin causes relational distance that needs to be bridged. And so humans have a distance between ourselves and God because of that little Hebrew word, sin, that we all practice. 
So the gospel is a message about God. It's a message about people and what's broken with people. It's also a message about Jesus. According to the Bible, Jesus was fully God and fully human. John 1.1 says it this way, and it's using poetry. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That God had this issue on his hands where he had these runaway kids, but God loved his kids and he wanted them back. And so instead of just giving them a list of rules and saying, hey, you guys need to try harder so that you can have a relationship with me, God came to earth as a person to get his kids back. God came on a rescue mission to love his runaway kids. And he did that in the person of Jesus who was fully God and fully man. Then Jesus, and this is the heart of Christianity, he lived a perfect life, he died as a perfect sacrifice, and he rose from the dead. Now let me share with you the scripture that that comes from. There's a lot of them, but I picked 1 Corinthians 15. It says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. In other words, Jesus wasn't just a good example pointing us back to God. He was a savior who was willing to die in your place so that your sin could be wiped clean. The Bible says in uh, 1 John 1, 9, if we, for, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know that feeling you get when, you, when you've been really grubby all day, you've been walking around Boston, maybe you spent some time in Boston Common, and then you go home and take a shower and you just feel clean? That's what God does for your soul. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that all of your sin could be wiped away and you could be clean in God's sight. And so he, he crosses that relational divide that sin caused. And then here's the final thing about Jesus, is that because of everything Jesus did, it makes him Savior and Lord. Savior is, is a word that means something like forgiver, like the forgiver of your sins, the one who rescues you. Because, because sometimes you and I try to change and we feel like I don't even have the power to change. I, even if I want to do better, I can't do better. Even when I try to do the right thing, I self-sabotage. I don't just need an example and someone telling me, hey, you need to try harder. Hey, God's really got some standards and you need to step it up. I don't need, I don't need someone yelling at me about that. I need a savior. I need a forgiver, someone who brings me back to God. And that's what Jesus is. And then they talk about him being Lord, which means the master, the leader of your life, because he's not someone who just died on a cross. He also rose from the dead, defeating Satan's sin and death. And so he's a Lord to be followed. That's Jesus. He is Savior and Lord. So the gospel is a message about God. It's a message about people. It's a message about Jesus. And then finally, it's a message about salvation. That's a, that's a word that comes from the Bible, which means to be rescued. Uh, Acts 2, 3, 8 says this. This was actually the first sermon ever taught after Jesus uh, died and rose. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That the gospel can be responded to and received, and God comes into your life and changes you. He forgives your past. You know those things that you regret that you just can't ever move on from? God, when you know Jesus, God just wipes those away. He promises you a future. So, you know, we live in a time when the future is radically uncertain. We don't know what's happening three days from now. But if you're a Christian, you know what's happening 3,000 years from now. We say this all the time. The average Bostonian has a five-year plan. The average Christian has a 50,000-year plan. God has a hope and a future for you. And then on top of that, he gives you the power to change today. Those things in your life and in your soul that just won't change, God can help you change those. So the gospel is a message about God, about people, about Jesus, 
and about salvation. And maybe you've heard this before, but the gospel is the word, uh, it means good news. It's a Greek word, it means good news. When Caesar, uh, the Caesar, the, the emperor of the Roman Empire would have a son, they would say, hey, uh, send this gospel around the Roman Empire, an heir has been born. Send this good news around the Roman Empire. The gospel is news, but it's a certain kind of news. Because when you watch the news in the evening, and if you do, man, there's a lot of bad news right now. There's two kinds of news. There's news that you watch and it doesn't affect you. You just think to yourself, oh, that's, that's terrible. But if you watch the weather report and it says it's raining later today, that's news you have to respond to. And if you don't pick up an umbrella and carry it with you out the door, you're gonna bump up hard against reality. The gospel is that kind of news that calls for a response. And if you don't, you're gonna bump up hard against reality. The gospel is news that you respond to. And so what I wanna do for the rest of our time today is talk about in the Bible how people responded to the gospel. And the very first thing is this, is the gospel is a message that you receive. You can receive the gospel. Because as I've been sharing about this today, you know, it might be that you're hearing for the first time, like I've known about God, I've heard about God, I tried to follow the rules about God, but I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus to be the forgiver of the, my sins and the leader of my life. The gospel is a message that you need to receive and take hold of. When I got married, that was 15 years ago. When I got married, I had this family friends that are, I call my aunt and uncle, uh, Debbie and Jim. And they gave us a picture frame. And Aunt Debbie and Uncle Jim, if you're watching this online, I wanna apologize in advance. And I took this picture frame, it was in a box, and I put it in a tub somewhere. I didn't use it, I put it in a tub. And then I like, you know, put it back in a closet. Now years go by, I think it was like five or six years went by, and we're moving. So we pull all the stuff out of our house, I pull out the picture frame, for whatever reason, I open it up and I open the back of the picture frame, and there was a check in there for $100. They had given me a gift, I had never opened it or received it, it did me no good. And you know what I did at that point? Nothing. I'm not like telling them I didn't open their gift five years later, right? But I just, I never received the gift that was given to me, and so it did me no good. Jesus is a gift that God gives us that you can receive. Let me share with you what the Bible says about this. Galatians 1.9 says, As we've said already, as, as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That word accepted means to receive something with your mind. When a teacher says two plus two is four, you have to receive that with your mind. When a teacher tells you an oxygen, uh, water is you know, two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom, you have to receive that with your mind. Same thing with the gospel. You have to say not just, oh, I believe Jesus existed. You have to say, he's my savior. He's my Lord. I need to receive that gift. And I, I wonder if there's some of you here today that you say, I've never done that. And maybe you're here today because God had a divine appointment with you to show up in your life. And so when we close the message today, I'm going to pray a prayer inviting Jesus to be my forgiver and the leader of my life, my savior and Lord. And maybe today is your day to pray that prayer with me, to make that your own prayer in your heart and ask God to be your leader, to receive the gospel. Here's another thing you can do with the gospel, the way you, that you can respond to it. The Bible says you can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. 
I don't know if you've ever seen the movies about people who, um, they're, they're royalty, but they hide it, and so they look like a pauper, and so they're a prince, but nobody knows that they're, they're, they're royalty. And I'm about to give a very embarrassing sermon illustration here. But about 19 years ago, the movie The Princess Diaries came out with Anne Hathaway, and all the women nod their heads. Right? And, and in the movie The Princess Diaries, she was royalty, but she didn't know it. And so one day she found out all of a sudden she was royalty and she had to figure out how to live as a royal person when she had just grown up like with the rest of us normal schlubs. Sorry, that was my Jewish upbringing coming out a little bit. That's, and I can't believe I'm about to say that. There's something about that that's true to Christianity where all of a sudden you realize, man, you are loved by God. You are made by God. You're a son or daughter of the king. And living in light of that is learning to live as a son or daughter of God. Learning to live as a son or, or daughter of the king. That's what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Let me show this to you from the Bible. It's our memory verse for today. Philippians 1.27 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So there's a way of living that's worthy of that gospel. And I think this speaks to, it. part of it is, Here's an old-fashioned word for you, personal holiness. A, a way of life that's set apart, where you're not living for sin and enjoying that, but you're living for God, living in a different way because of God. So we walk in a manner worthy of it. We live out that identity of being a son or daughter of God. Here's another way you can respond to the gospel. You can suffer for the gospel. The Bible speaks quite often of suffering for the sake of the gospel. Jesus talked about it. Obviously, he experienced it. 2 Timothy 1.8 says it this way, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. When Paul wrote that to Timothy, he essentially says, Hey, the suffering's fine. Come on in. I mean, what makes a person talk like that? Why on earth would you think like that? That's craziness. And here's what I think is happening. There are some kinds of suffering in this world that you don't choose and everyone has their share of it, and it's not apportioned fairly. I don't know if you've noticed that. There's sickness, there's divorce, there's cancer, there's, there's the unexpected loss of someone you love, there's those seasons where your mental health is just, is just darkness. And generally, you don't get to choose that kind of suffering, but, there are kinds of suffering that you do choose. This is why uh, women have children. They go through childbirth. It's unbelievably painful because there's joy on the other side. There's a kind of suffering that athletes choose where they discipline themselves and sometimes give up a personal life so that there's glory and honor on the other side of that. There's kinds of suffering that you choose because there's joy on the other side. And that's what the gospel is. We suffer for the gospel, not because we're masochistic or gluttons for punishment. We're willing to suffer for the gospel because on the other side of that, there's eternal life. There's eternal joy. There's eternal hope. There's, a, there's eternity with God in your life. And even right now today, there's the hope and joy and peace of God in your life in the middle of anxious times. And so if you have something like that in the distance, it enables you to suffer through anything today. That's what it means to suffer for the gospel. And according to the Bible, God will often accomplish more through your suffering than you could ever 
imagine. More than you could ever accomplish through your strength or intellect or education or wealth. And so you have to be prepared to suffer for the gospel so you can face it with strength when the time comes. All right, let's recap because we're getting towards the end. You can respond to the gospel by receiving it. And we're going to pray in a few minutes and I'll give you a chance to do that. You can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. You can respond to it by suffering for it. Number four, you can hold fast to the gospel. The gospel is something you got to get a hold on. 1 Corinthians 15, 2 says this, By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Think about that, in vain? So it does no good to believe it for a little while and then let go of it later. you got to get a death grip on it. Have you ever been walking to a car with keys in your hand and then you walk over one of those like open sewer grates? You know that death grip you get on your keys? That's how you have to hold on to the gospel. You've got to let, you got to hold on to it like your life depends on it because it does. Eternity depends on this gospel. It does no good to grab onto it for a minute and then let go. The gospel is something that you hold fast to. And it's so easy to trade this in. So many times we let go of the gospel and trade it in for religious rules. We let go of the gospel and trade it in for the philosophies of this world. And we often see people, sometimes Christian leaders, who let go and walk away from the gospel. But in it, there is life, so hold on to it. And here's the final way to respond to the gospel today. Number five, people respond to this gospel by sharing it. When you study through the scriptures, the number one people, the number one thing people do with the gospel, the way that they respond to it, is they preach it or proclaim it. And oftentimes that really that really didn't mean when they were writing the New Testament what I'm doing. It meant just telling someone else about it. You said if the gospel is news, it's more like the weather report than it is like just the evening news of the crime report. And if you think about it, if a nor'easter's coming and you're outside talking to your neighbors, you're getting ready for it. You know, you don't tell your neighbors, hey, listen, you need to go go inside and listen to the five o'clock news because there's an expert that has something to, important to tell you. You just tell them, hey, there's a nor'easter coming. If you want more details, sure, go, go look it up. Like you can Google it, but you let people know because it's an important piece of news that's going to affect them deeply. And so it just comes out of you. It's shared. And, and there, I pulled a text on this here in particular where the gospel is shared by ordinary everyday Christians. Here's what it says in Philippians 1.14. Paul said this. He said, because of my chains, he was in prison. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I love that. The pastor got put in prison. And so everybody became more confident to share the gospel without fear. The gospel is right at the center of everything we do and everyone, everything we are as a church because it is the message of eternal life. The gospel is the power of God on display through Jesus. And because it changed my life, because I was stuck in the message of God's mercy and love, unstuck my life and helped me to grow and renewed my marriage and renewed my life renewed my relationship with the church, renewed my passion to serve other people. And because the gospel can do and will do the same thing in your life if you receive it. And so if you're here today and you've never put your trust in God, maybe you believe that he existed, 
But it's one thing to believe that someone exists. It's another thing to put your trust in them and surrender to them. I'm going to give you the chance to do that right now, to receive the gospel. And so if you would, bow your head and close your eyes with me. I'm going to pray a prayer asking Jesus to be my forgiver and my leader. And maybe today you need to make this prayer your own. God, I know I have a need for you in my life. I want to change and I want to live differently, but I also know that I need your help. I can even say, say it, God, I'm a sinner, not a mistaker, not just a slipper. I slip up. I'm a sinner. And so I need more than an example. I need a savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross so that my sin could be forgiven and then rose from the dead so that I could have life and freedom and hope. And I want to follow him every day of my life. God, would you come into my life and change me? I know you wanted your kids back. And so I want to be one of your runaway kids coming home. I pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for being here with me today. If you prayed that prayer to trust in Christ, your next step is to plunge your past and be baptized. In the Bible, that is always the way that people say, I am, I am turning from living for the kingdom of me, and I want to live for the kingdom of God. I'm, st I'm done living a, a me-first life, and I want to live a God-first life. Baptism is how you show that. So make sure you check in today, and then after you click the link, there's a way to sign up for more information about baptism. We have a service coming up in late September where we will be doing baptism, and we can help you with that. So let me know. All right, that's all, of, that's all for today. Remember that next week is going to be 9, 30, and 11. Judith, why don't you close us out? Thank you so much for joining us at Renewal. If you have not done so at this time, please make sure you check into the service. At this time, we generally give together and your gifts has, have given us the opportunity to give locally and internationally. So thank you so much for being such a generous church. I wanna remind you again that the Next Steps experience is next Sunday after the service on September 13th. And finally, we hope that you will join us as we start our new sermon series called Relationship Status, where Pastor Jared will talk about how to have a healthy, healthy relationships within, um, within your lives. Again, those services are 9.30 a.m. and 11, and have a great evening.